2: Welcome to Wood Talk Online Radio, for woodworkers, by woodworkers. Now here are three guys that are actually under the illusion that woodworking is cool. Mark, Matt, and Shannon.
1: Welcome to Wood Talk Online, episode 96 for April 26, 2012. On today's show, we're talking about the rule joint, storing your tools for long periods of time, and our scariest workshop safety moments because we actually are coming into Safety Week 2012. So Woo-hoo. it's always always fun to talk about how you almost lose limbs and, and digits and things
2: like that. Uh, Blood but, and guts, buddy. Bloody and guts. Oh, yeah. We're going to compare scars later. That's true. Uh, before we get to that, though, Matt, can you tell them how they can get in touch with us? Yep, of course, as always, there are several different ways you can reach out and contact us in case you ever have a comment, a question, or a suggestion about maybe something you've heard in today's show or perhaps something you'd like to hear on an upcoming episode. You can email us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com. You can call and leave us a voicemail at 623-242-5180. You can Skype us over at woodtalkonline, Online, or you can check out our individual sites at renaissancewoodworker.com. The com, and matsbasementworkshop.com <laughs> And especially find us over at the forum at WoodTalkOnline.com where Shannon always is first.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Don't interrupt sure. Matt's
1: flow ever, by the way. I know. Matt is unshakable.
2: (laughs) Hey, as long as it's written right in front of me, I'm so reading it. But, (laughs) man, the the words go away, and I'm like, uh, duh, duh, Uh, duh, 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 duh. (laughs)
0: Nice. You stay classy, Matt. Stay
2: classy. (laughs) All right. So, Matt, what's on, not on your mind, what's on your workbench? A lot of sawdust right now. That's about it. All right. That's the only thing that's been going on, I swear, every time – I turn around and something new comes up or uh, me going face down in the couch. There's been a lot of that lately. I don't know. Maybe (laughs) I'm just not getting enough sleep during the week or something. Mm -hmm. But when the weekend rolls around, I got to get up early for soccer games. And um, I really have been struggling to get down to the shop. One thing I will say is remember the past couple of episodes, I've talked about the uh, entertainment center redo that I was going to end up doing for the brand new TV that I got. I think I mentioned that in the last episode, got a brand new TV. Yes. Yes, you did a couple of times. I think so. so. uh, the well, in case I'll tell you about it later, Shannon. It's a really nice one. We also sent pictures of it. Sure, uh, I don't have one. <laughs> I've been watching you on my Roku box. On it's really nice. You look great. Um. <laughs> anyway, so, so we have this uh, this old buffet that we're going to end up turning into an entertainment center. Turns out we actually have a, another piece of uh, furniture that my wife ended up finding on the side of the road, which works a lot better <laughs> for the space I'm that we have. Sorry. <laughs> I, I hope that's not really I – sh- I should be careful how I say that because then a lot of people would see the furniture in our house and assume that must be the piece that she picked up. i be like, no, that <laughs> no was wife. the piece I featured last year on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Took 80 hours to make that. Don't you remember that? It was a 10-part series. Uh, but anyways, so we're not going to end up using this buffet thing, which really kind of disappointed me because – for once I actually started doing research into the different ways that I could really make this a fully functional entertainment piece. Uh, Something like I was looking at um, remote control relay systems that you could put in there so that I could have like a drawer closed with things hidden away. Um, I was looking at a proper way to do ventilation so that the pieces that are tucked away, aren't going to overheat all these just really minute little details that I think often, well, the pieces that I built before, uh, I wouldn't even think about because my last entertainment center, everything was out in the open. So I didn't have to worry about stuff like air circulation, um, worry about trying to get a remote control so that it could be tucked away wherever, you know, the pieces and stuff like that. So when she told me, no, we're going to use this one that I picked over on the corner of Wickham and Roberts, um, I was pretty <laughs> much devastated by that. <laughs> so. Oh, man. There is a part of me that thinks I still might follow through with this and maybe, like, I don't know, throw it out of the corner and try and sell it or wait for somebody else to pick it up. Watch watch Sam bring that home. <laughs> I mean, you probably would. <laughs> Look what Sam I just
0: him.
3: found. It's so unique. Take
2: it, like, three blocks over and set on the corner and see if it ends up back in your house. <laughs> uh, it has an outlet system built into it and everything. Who would throw something like that away? Mm, mm, mm. Jeez, that's a shame. Well, yeah, so. you know,
1: it is what it is, but, it, I mean, you're still, so you're still recycling at least something, sort of, right?
2: Right. And actually with this one, the the piece we are using right now, uh, I do need to build a small shelf for one more component to be able to add that in there. And so there is a little bit of. You've got um, that. Yeah, I, I get to at least build a small shelf and, and, and paint it red. Nice. So Yay. that's about it. Wonderful. But other than that, that's the only thing I have going on on my bench. Mark, how about you?
1: I'm uh, thinking about safety week. In fact, someone reminded me last week that it was coming up and I said, oh yeah, that thing that I started for some reason a couple of years ago. <laughs> That's right. Crazy uh, enough
2: to start a whole week dedicated to
1: safety. Something as boring as safety. Yeah, so I was like, you know what? I better come up with some content for that week. So um, I started thinking about uh, some of the stuff, you know, products that I had and, and unfortunately, uh, I guess it's kind of uh, unfortunately unfortunately at the same time, a lot of this safety stuff Besides the common sense elements that we we try to teach people, a lot of it does come down to using the right devices and things uh, to help keep yourself safe, um, primarily splitters. I mean, table saws have been the topic of conversation as far as it concerns safety thanks to all the saw stop stuff lately. Um, so it's one of those things that I think we really do need to remind folks that you need to use some sort of a, a splitter or anti-kickback mechanism on your table saw. So I started thinking about, well, what's out there, you know, and what would be easy for people. And the uh, micro jig MJ Splitter is really, when you're thinking about simple installations on pretty much any saw out there, um, I don't think there's really anything that beats it. And I wanted to try it for myself because I've uh, I've used it before, excuse me, at the uh, William Eng School a couple of years ago. He used to have the, the plastic ones, the original MJ Splitter. Um, And they use them over there. And then I think the the second time I went, they had loosened up enough that they were kind of falling off. People weren't really using them anymore. Now this was like a year and a half later after hundreds of students have abused the crap out of them. Uh, So what I wanted to really try was their Steel Pro series. And it's the ones with the steel bodies and the plastic uh, outer coating. So they're much more rigid and durable. So I'm thinking that probably is going to be the way for people to go. But that's all I had on hand to, to demonstrate and test um, so I got to uh, put one in my zero clearance insert and gave it a world. And, and frankly, I'm, I'm really happy with it. I think it's a, a great, that's not going to replace my riving knife, but it's it's certainly for someone who's got an old saw, a used saw. One of those saws that comes with those clunky, you know, combination uh, splitter covers that it's all plastic and you just kind of Throw it right. on the side and never put <laughs> it back on the saw. The spring-loaded
0: paws that like <laughs> yeah. don't let go of the board ever. Yeah, yeah
1: exactly. So that those things, um, you know, it's it's you still want to have some kind of a blade guard over your 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 blade if you can. But at the very least, if you do nothing else to make your saw safer, you should really be using some sort of a splitter. And these MJ splitters, I think, are pretty um, pretty slick and and easy to install. All you need is that yeah. uh, zero clearance insert to do it. So that's that's pretty much what I've been focused on. I used that
0: plastic one for, I don't know, shortly after it came out, right up until the one I sold my table saw, and it it lasted. Um, One of the little posts, you know, there's three posts that slot into your zero clearance. One of the posts actually snapped off.
1: Oh, okay. Um,
0: I think I, you know how they have like the three pluses, two pluses, one plus, it pushes the board against the fence, and you can put the three plus side, so it's like three thousandths of an inch. Instead of being directly in line with the blade, it's three thousands of an inch closer to the fence. Right. It kind of acts as a, um, what's that thing called? Featherboard.
1: Yeah, mini featherboard. <laughs> that thing.
0: Um, and I think I had, I had it set too much. So when the board was pushing it against it, it was like torquing the little splitter back and it snapped off the front peg. I imagine that's probably why they went to the metal thing because they're just more durable.
1: Yeah, for sure. And they they really push that mini featherboard Concept, so they're really encouraging to you to use it. So I'm hoping that the steel body one is going to resist any kind of <laughs> right. bending. And it's also the steel ones are only two pegs, so they must really have a whole lot more confidence in those. Um, yeah. You know, I'm glad you mentioned that because the the other feature that I didn't know about as much as I've you know seen these things in the past is they have a new curve keeper feature. Have you uh, seen anything about that?
0: Curve keeper. Curve nope. keeper.
1: Yeah, it's it's actually fun to say though. It is. Say it five times fast. But if you, you know how they have the double installation where you have um, uh, basically two splitters in a row, two of these little steel splitters. One is kind of left aligned to keep the left side of the workpiece off, and the other is right aligned to keep the right side. And then you could have the plus signs to make it uh, have that mini featherboard effect. Well, there's right. another uh, installation option where you could put what they call their curve keeper. Looks like the the other ones; it's just solid plastic, and it goes in the second position. So, if your workpiece does start to pinch behind the blade, it will actually pinch the plastic piece, and it's it's intentionally fits loosely so that as it pinches, it lifts out. So, if you see that little piece start walking uh, and traveling oh, okay. on you, That's it says, cool. you know, hey, dummy, you got something going on here. Stop the saw or, or figure out what to do. Um, additionally, because it's wedged there. It's keeping that curve from closing up on you, and, and physically stopping it from closing, which could create a, a dangerous situation. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So I was like, cool. that, that is nifty. That's nifty right there.
2: I so like micro jig guys, they're always working on something to keep us safe. They show is. <laughs> we well, you know one thing. I wanted to ask you guys about that for for some reason, and I, I I was gonna start looking around for it because I was just thinking of of something like that the other day, and uh, I some people have mentioned, and I don't know if they're where this is or if you guys have ever done this about creating zero clearance inserts for dado blades and using uh those particular little um uh the, the micro jig things uh to help with that so it's one of those things that i can't imagine well obviously you wouldn't use a riving blade whenever you're creating a dado uh they but too i have tall to, they don't well, work for anything other than a through cut right Right. Exactly. That was my thought on it. I mean, you couldn't use it for like, you know, a stop dado or something. And obviously, if you're making a really shallow one, about a quarter of an inch, they stick up kind of high, if I remember right. I mean, I don't have any in the shop with me. Yeah. So wait,
1: what, what is your question now? Using using these with a zero clearance dado insert?
2: Well, you're not staying up with a voice in my head. I'm just, trying um, <laughs> just trying to, I'm just trying to I interrupted. him. My
3: fault. Wait, <laughs> carry on. No,
2: uh, but yeah, exactly. Using this with your zero clearance insert for a dado blade. Like somehow, like if you, okay, you knew that you're going to use a dado blade that is say half an inch, Yeah. you know, you've got your stack dado, you have a specific zero clearance insert that is for half an inch and then having one of those on there. I don't know what, I don't know if you used it, what side would you have it at? Obviously towards the side where the fence is. Well, I would have it on both sides. I mean, the, the, the
1: installation that they give you, the installation options are to install two in a row. Uh, right, okay. right behind, and you offset them. So one would be, like I said before, aligned left, and the other aligned right. Uh, two problems you're going to have with that. Number one, the jig that's used to install these, I don't think it really allows you to install that second one any further than the kit is expecting you to. So if you have a a quarter inch or a half inch dado stack in there, you're never really going to get that other one aligned properly. I mean, you you might. You would have to measure and kind of do it manually. You wouldn't be able to use their jig uh, without some i don't know finagling to get to get it to work um right. well you know what the setup procedure first starts by creating a kerf and then you drop this thing into the kerf if you instead of making a kerf you actually just cut your dado and then use that as your guide to align mm. the jig you might be able to to do that so i take that back um but you will of course have the limitation of of blade height because these things themselves are about i don't know i'd guess about 3 quarters of an inch above the saw So you you would not be able to use this trick for anything that was less than three quarters of an inch in height. So that'd be a pretty Mm -hmm. deep dado. So if you're doing like standard cabinet dados, maybe three eighths of an inch or a quarter inch, um, you would not be able to use these to do that.
2: Right. So that, well, that's what I was thinking, because as you were talking about them, and like I said, I was thinking about it the other day, because actually I think I had I had a listener that had, had wrote me a question asking something about the fact, you know, once in a while I've used, I've shot a scene where I didn't have a riving writh- knife in, which makes me think maybe they're watching a really old episode with my old table saw. Hmm. But regardless, the, this whole thing about being able to add one of those on and then how would you use it with the dado, which wasn't part of their question. This is. Typically, the thought pattern that goes through my head—it yeah. you know, just jumps from what. Oh, look at there's a bagel now. Back over to what was on TV last night. Oh yeah, the datos to micro jig. Um, but okay, to I'll micro have to, machine man. You know. Oh, I didn't even think about that one. Yeah, I am have to go Google see. that. All right, never mind. It's, it was just one of those things that, for some reason, I just remember that that coming up or or seeing something about that, and if it could be used. But obviously, the height limitation is the major issue there. That's just really. Not and there's so, much,
1: there's so much variability when you're cutting dados, you know, just even from one piece of plywood to the next where you need to use a, a little shim uh, to get the perfect setting, that it would be really hard to lock down. I have trouble just locking down an insert to any particular dado size, uh, let alone trying to get a perfectly aligned, um, you know, kickback, anti-kickback thing installed. So that would be tricky. I mean, it's possible, but it would be right. tricky. So, yeah. It's always
2: possible. Yeah. So that's that. So Shannon,
1: <laughs> how about you? What you got on the bench?
2: Uh,
0: let's see. Well, <clears throat> I, well, I finished my joinery bench long time ago cause I took it to woodworking in America, but I knew that there were some inadequacies in it and I have been working on it for working at it, I should say for about six months. And then I finally, uh, added some more things to it to make it a little more stable and added a planing beam to it. And it's a, it's a fully functional, uh, apartment workbench, which is kind of cool. So I started working on this little clock I'm building. And I told myself that I would build the whole clock using that planing beam in the joinery bench, which is actually a lot harder than it sounds, not because it's hard to work at the bench, but when you've got an eight foot rubo on one side of the shop, you just kind of automatically go there. So <laughs> yes. I found myself like halfway through a plane pass going, oh, I'm supposed to be doing this on the planing beam. So then I stop what I'm doing, walk to the other side of the shop and set up on that bench. But it, it's, it's actually, it's pretty cool. Um, I I could really see like setting up this bench in like a small extra bedroom or in an apartment or something like that. And you could actually do just about anything you want in it, which is certainly wasn't my original thought when I built it. Mm-hmm. Um, I built it, you know, primarily for dovetailing and for joinery, but just based upon some, you know, listener, watcher, whatever we call audience feedback, uh, I, I added that in and it, it's pretty exciting. Um, nice. I like it. Nice. And uh, other than that, I've been playing around with carving chisels a lot. In fact, I'm heading up to the Acanthus workshop um, this weekend for a a carving class with Chuck that I've been wanting to take for like three years, but every time he offers it, I'm out of town, so I'm (laughs) kind of excited about this. But yeah, it's it's just been something that um, I've been kind of messing around with for probably three years now. You know, you pick up carving chisels for like a week, play around with them, and then like don't see them again for eight months, and then you pick them up again, (laughs) so... I figure it's been three years since I've been carving, and I've got
2: about one month of experience. <laughs> yeah, I would check with Chuck to make sure that that's not intentional. That he always offers that when you're going to be out of town. Because oh, I know
0: it's intentional.
2: <laughs> no question. What? In fact, um... I I signed up for this using an alias. That was the only way I could get in. <laughs> nice. That's pretty much the only way I can get into classes anymore, either. <laughs>
1: what uh, What brand did you wind up going with? On your um I I have
0: I have a mix. I mean I first started with the Swiss Made the files. Um and you know I like them. They're they're good chisels. They're just they're not um and there, there's a lot of uh what should we say schools of thought on how to set up your chisel.
1: Yeah.
0: And the more I play around with them, the more I'm kind of firmly in the the Crisp Pie school of thought with the uh, the the bevel angle and and as he calls them commissioning his chisels. So you have to do quite a bit of work to the file chisels to get them where you want them to mm-hmm. get the lower angle so it's more comfortable to use. Um, I just recently bought a, uh, a different size for specifically letter carving, uh, a wider flatter chisel and I used uh, I got a Henry Taylor for that just to try it and um, that had a much lower angle ground into it so it was actually a lot easier to get set up. Steel quality, handle quality, all that stuff's pretty much the same. It's just you know it's like buying a hand plane. How much work do you have to do to get the thing set up? Mm-hmm. They're all good. You know, they're all flat to more than you could ever possibly need in woodworking, but it's just a matter of how much work you have to put into it to get it in working condition. So for the most part, I have files and I have two Henry Taylors.
1: Nice. Cool. Yep. Yep awesome no i've actually um i picked up one of those just because i didn't know what i was doing and just thought they looked cool one of those what is it flex cut or flex yeah, flex something sure. or um they're pretty good but they're not you know i don't have like full size chisels and i've been looking to to just pick them up cuz there's there's always times when they're i don't really do much in the way of carving but it has been something that like once in a while a bug would hit me and i go you know what i'd like to try and to carve something and see if I can actually accomplish it but I don't necessarily have the right tools to do it. Right. Uh, so I'd like to get a nice set of uh, you know full size carving chisels just the basics you know, just to have them around so if the mood strikes me and I want to try my luck at it or take a class and I will not uh, let them know I'm affiliated with Shannon because yeah. uh, I'd like to get in well, the class. You know I've <laughs> certainly
0: heard really really good things about um, RU. They've got a I think you can only buy it in a set form now or something like six chisels in it. But I mean, RU is such an incredible brand. There's such a good, strong name with that yeah. when it comes to their files and rasps. Right. And uh, of course, Chris Pye is like over the moon about these chisels and endorses them heartily and has a YouTube video endorsing them and everything. So maybe I'm a little bit biased there, but it'd be be interesting to try those. The only issue for me is I'm I'm always hesitant to buy sets. Because nine times out of ten, I, use, I don't use half the tools in the set, right, you know, yeah. even with bench chisels. you know I have a five sixteenth inch bench chisel that I think I've used once because <laughs> I bought a, a, a set. And I was like, what am I going to do with this? <laughs> right. So the big thing with carving gouges and, and chisels and bent backs and all that stuff is just uh, buy them as you need them. I guess that's no different than any other tool because there's just such a dizzying array of them. And so I I've been approaching it from a kind of one project at a time. You know, I learned to carve a a queen Anne fan a couple of years ago and I bought like the three tools I needed to do that particular fan. And, uh, that's kind of, I think what Chuck is doing this weekend, we're going to carve a couple of different things. And he's provided a list of, I think, four chisels that you need to carve them all. You quickly realize that you can carve, you don't have to have like this particular size of chisel in order to carve what you need. You can make, just about any sweep, um, you can make any sweep carve a circle that is tighter than the sweep of the chisel. You can't make a sweep carve a circle that is wider than the chisel, if mm, that makes sense. Okay, gotcha. It doesn't make sense to me, so uh, don't worry about it. If it doesn't make sense to you. I'll take your word for it. Yeah. So it's a, it's, a matter of, it's a matter of kind of leaning into it a little bit more and tightening up the curve. So there's you can actually do a lot of carving with very few chisels. And the more, the more I mess around with it, the more it, it's, you know, I'm not, not great at it, but it's, it's less and less kind of um, mystical. Right. It's like, Oh, it's connect the dots. You know, it's like the first time I carved a ball and claw foot. I'm like, seriously, <laughs> that's it. And, and you know, what, what separates the men from the boys is, you know, the Christmas of the edges and how long it takes you to do it and everything. But um, so far, at least when it comes to furniture carving, you know, I'm not a carving decoys and bird, you know, in the round type sculptures. That's a totally different thing. But when it comes to the simple stuff for furniture and, and molding details and everything, I, so far, knock on wood, it doesn't seem to be that difficult. It's just kind of like anything with woodworking. and you just got to kind of get the feel for the tool yeah. and go slowly.
1: Well, and It's like I, I try to tell people all the time who want to get into woodworking and are kind of just intimidated by it and – the intimidation is seeing the final product and then the starting materials and not understanding how to get to that point. Right. You know that there really is a smaller series of steps that you follow. And if you have someone there to guide you through those steps, you'd be amazed at the things that you can accomplish, and you just have to be able to learn those steps. and then now refining it and putting the art into it, and like you said, the edges and making everything look absolutely crisp and perfect. sure, that's going to take a whole lot of time to get there. But the fundamentals, the basics, all across woodworking really just come down to a series of steps that some people know and some people don't. And you go to classes to learn those steps. Pretty much. I, I have to
2: say, every time I see Carrie Haltman put something up where she's carved, I'm immediately like, I have a small set down in my shop that probably, um, I don't, they, they've never really been touched other than just simply to hold them and look at them and keep telling them one day they're going to be taken out of the box and used and every time I see something that she puts up I'm just like oh, I've got <laughs> to take the opportunity to do this but I'm so intimidated by the fact that I have I think it's like a seven piece set or something like that and I have no clue what to do with any of them. You know in, <laughs> in the latest issue of a uh, uh, popular woodworking magazine um Don Weber has the Irish chair in there. In fact it, it's on the cover of it and that he has awesome. a a Celtic yeah he has that, that really neat Celtic inlay on there and he did that with just one single uh, yeah, carving tool. Yeah and it's you you look at that and to me I in my mind, I'm, I'm seeing several tools like, oh, I got to use this to get around there. But it's one single one. So that does really go to that idea of you don't need a tire, an entire complement of tools to achieve something that pretty. Right. So Well, I'll tell you, it's, it's extremely addicting. And,
0: you know, just like when you first started woodworking and suddenly you start to, like, see how things go together. Like you're sitting in the restaurant and you find yourself examining at the the bottom of the table yeah exactly (laughs) and and that's that when you start to carve you start to like you see something and you start to like break it down into gouge sweeps and what was done with the v-tool and how was that done and that was the first thing that went through my head when i saw that welsh stick chair was i I started looking at it going okay well he made a cut here and he made a cut there and it's it it all starts to make sense you know again you know, for armchair woodworkers everywhere. Oh yeah, that
1: looks real easy. And then you do it. Like, <laughs> so, yeah. You just got to increase, it's fun. You just got to increase your vocabulary, you know, and then you, then you can yeah, understand right. these things a little better. The coolest hey, thing. Uh, the last thing I'll say about this, the
0: coolest thing is that, you know, I went out and I bought, um, I bought some basswood cause we don't carry basswood. So I actually bought lumber first time since I started working for a lumber and <laughs> I bought some lumber and, um, It's, it's so easy to do 15 minutes, you sit down, make some cuts, play around and then go, you know, there's no, there's no setting up anything. It's just a little board, you set it down, you know, clamp it on the bench and go to work. And it's something very cool about to the point where you could like take it with you on vacation. So there's Mm -hmm. something very mobile
2: about carving that's kind of neat yeah sure. uh, I would advise uh checking that bag in versus trying to those <laughs> tools yeah, carry right. on you might you might get a, a a show of your own kind of a thing um hey one thing I just want to go back real quick sorry to interrupt you there I, I knew I wasn't going crazy with this dado thing and the splitter actually over at micro jig they have this is in their information center which I must be where people have sent stuff in they have what they're referring to as the MJ splitter techniques the dado tamer I oh, no kidding and, no, I, I got a link. In fact, I, I'll put it in the notes. Uh, they have a little slideshow. Essentially what it is is they've taken one of the plastic ones and they just nip off the top so that it is a low profile one. And they're showing at least in this little this little slideshow that they have uh, for a very narrow, say like a quarter inch or maybe even like an eighth of an inch type um, uh, through dado kind of a thing. Nice. So, yeah. There like, you go. <gasps>
1: but I bet you oh, yeah. void your warranty on your splitter.
2: That's what I'm thinking. This might be one that you're like, you know, I'm upgrading to the steel. I think this plastic one is fine. So. I can carve <laughs> this
1: one with no uh, no worries. Well, very cool. So, yeah, let's put one more question to that. for
2: you, Shannon. I just want to ask you: with you purchasing lumber, um, did you go in and maybe try to like schmooze them a little bit by throwing out your fancy schmancy lumber uh, uh, chatter and stuff, and see if like, maybe they fit? <laughs> They're like, we're gonna give you a discount because you knew that terminology. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> Fancy, I try fancy it all the time. Chatter. That doesn't work for me either.
1: <laughs>
0: I got to think of what fancy schmancy lumber chatter I know.
1: As uh, uh, <laughs> uh, oh, Like that.
0: <laughs> I find that if you approach any conversation in a Thurston Howell voice, you get good results.
1: Love it. Love Nice to see you at the island club. That <laughs> does work
3: what do you want shannon i'll
1: give you anything you want
3: give me some butternut I butternut get too much (laughs) butternut oh my uh, god
2: that's that's awesome all right
1: Uh, let's move on to the around the web segment and uh if you don't mind (laughs) it's contagious uh thurston i think you put these in there if you want to if you want to read those or whoever did can read them
0: i put the second one in first one must be matt
2: it's his fault (laughs) go matt go all right. Well, coming up pretty soon here. It is May nineteenth. Uh, Glenn Huey, uh, the contributing editor over at Popular Woodworking, uh, and a close personal friend of mine. Uh, well, I say that. He just more or less denies it completely. Uh, but anyway,s Glenn's going to be visiting the Michigan Woodworkers Guild May nineteenth. Uh, we'll have a link in the in the show notes for this. I, I, there is a PDF for it. You can find it over there at this link. And essentially, he's coming in from nine a.m. to four p.m. There's a lunch included with it. Uh, coffee, snacks all that good stuff. He's going to be talking about numerous aspects of finishing, uh, including wood prep, wood species, surface preparation, solvents, dyes, staining, artifact avoidance, top coating, all that good stuff. Um, and I was kind of emailing back and forth with Glenn at one point, again, him trying to deny that it's even his real email address. Uh, but this sounds pretty neat. I, my understanding is it is limited seating. So that's where I thought I would put this up as a, as a, as a nod to my fellow Michiganders. You know, get yourself over there. And uh, um, definitely check this out because uh, Glenn knows a thing or two about uh, a little bit of finishing here and there. He's he's done a few articles, and it was just the fact that somebody kind of famous is coming to Michigan kind of excites me. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Night nice. on, that's cool. Um, tell
2: yeah, Glenn cool. I said hi. Oh, definitely. And I'll well, say Mark if who he would even acknowledge it's my email. <laughs> All right,
0: <laughs> nice. Well, as if any other news mattered. You're reading it wrong, Thurston. The most, the most sorry. <laughs> the most important news in the woodworking world today. <laughs> yes. Popular Woodworking is going to publish The Woodwright Shop season one through three and apparently season 20, because I guess that's Royce's favorite. And they'll continue to publish earlier, like in, in order over time, which is the coolest thing ever, because I've basically been trying to find out, is there any way... You know, can I find it in some sort of torrent site? Can I get it in 8-track? Whatever. Can I get old <laughs> copies of The Woodride laser LaserDisc,
1: I think, maybe. Um,
0: and uh, there is a, uh, what is it? I think the first three minutes of the very first episode up on YouTube right now. And it's just, it's a trip to watch because yep. Roy is, you know, decidedly younger. Even his voice sounds younger. And he's just this, like, 30-something dude who's, you can only imagine in the 80s how, you know, odd (laughs) he was then and now he's like this icon this like universally accepted icon and i can only imagine talk about a trailblazer to be the very first episode it's just kind of cool to see it especially considering actually when was it it wasn't in the 80s no i guess this is season 31 so it would be sometime in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I mean, the show's been around. Basically
1: when that intro was filmed. I mean, look at the cars. <laughs> You'll see. <laughs>
0: yeah, right. Right. And there's like the the opening like PBS thing. It's like total 80s um, bumper for uh, TV stations. It's just very cool. Right, right. So I'm, I'm excited about that. That's going to be great to be able to have those on DVD. And apparently they're going to put them up in the shop class on demand thing as well. So
1: that's pretty that's
0: sweet. That's awesome. Can't wait.
1: Very cool. Do you guys know if the shop class stuff, I haven't actually used any of that myself is, do they give you full access to the files so you can actually like download them and get them? No. Okay. So it's only viewable within the website.
0: Yeah. Um, I signed up for like the little free weekend thing to see what was going on in there. It's pretty cool. I mean, the, the, I'll give them credit, at least from my, my connection, I didn't get any buffering on the high quality version.
1: Yeah. That's good.
0: Um, So it's kind of neat. You can pull it up. Of course it's not mobile. Um, so you can't – well, at least not Apple mobile. Um, right. It's all flash-based, which would be kind of a nice thing to do because I could see pulling it up on an iPad and watching it that way.
1: But. Yeah, that would be nice. Oh, well. C'est la vie. So much for that. Okay, so l- some listener emails. I think we have time to jump into these real quick. Um, you know what? Let's cut one one of them out, though, so we can get to the voicemails too. That sounds good. I'll let you pick, Matt, which one you want to uh, slice out of there.
2: Well, let's take the first one out because the the second one – both you and Shannon can definitely talk about this, and I think we can get a really good conversation going. Um, and we'll, we'll just go, yeah, let's do that because that, that one definitely, I think there might be a few other people out there. It's talking about the, the Rubo workbench. In fact, why don't I go ahead and read it for the two of you because it is actually geared towards the two of you? And I have know you do that, Matt. that sounds like a right. good plan. Matt. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm gonna do that, I'm gonna read it for I'm you. I'm all guys. for that plan. Are you ready for me to read it to you? Yes, please do. Okay, I'm gonna read it to you right now. Here it goes. Okay, I'm gonna read it. It says, Hey, guys. I'm slowly but surely building a Rubo workbench. I noticed that Shannon, this is for you, Shannon, positioned the parallel guide on the leg vise at the bottom of the leg, while Mark, this is for you, Mark, has his above the shelf. Mm. I'm curious what both of you think about the advantages or disadvantages of this placement. Shannon, any regrets on putting it on the bottom leg? Mark, I'm guessing your choice of placement was largely guided by the Benchcrafted hardware. And that was sent in by Mark Jacobs. So, any comments, gentlemen?
1: Hmm. Well, I responded to Mark and I said, well, my decision was largely based on copying Benchcrafted's plans. Uh, <laughs> and, and my
2: decision was based largely on copying Christopher Schwartz's <laughs> plans. Well, 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 see? It's so... funny because actually in the, the, the longer portion of the email, he did mention the fact that Chris Schwartz had it, I think, the same way that you do, Shannon. So that was kind of like that, right. you know, is it big be- Because of this way, or is it because of that way? So, well, I
1: can tell you with the benchcrafted design, it is very intentional because they have the rollers for the parallel guide, and that roller itself is like four or five inches long. So you need at least enough space for that roller to be in place that supports the parallel guide, and then it's only natural at that point that the parallel guide be above the shelf. Um, right. I don't know if losing that five inches of you know um, the the sort of fulcrum action that you get with the clamp, if that really has any impact whatsoever. I, I my gut tells me probably not because I don't think well, I've ever felt any inadequacies in, in the clamping ability of it. But Shannon, yours goes all the way down. I'm curious if, if you have any perspective. Yeah, well on
0: it. actually I have both. Um my fixed leg vice goes below that and mm. my sliding leg vice, the the parallel guide is above my oh, shelf. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I actually do have both of those and no, I haven't noticed any difference in clamping power. I mean, let's be serious. These leg vices clamp, you know, you can crush small animals and things. Well, Ew. so I hear, <laughs> you could crush a walnut, put it that way. You could, you just don't need any more clamping pressure than that without destroying your work. Right. Um, you know, really the, the only difference I can see is, you know, the stooping thing to change your, to change the pen. And Oh yeah, that's true. You know, I'm just used to it. And frankly, how often do we really change it? I, I don't that often from eight quarter stock or maybe 12 quarter stock to four quarter stock. And basically i don't ever shift the pin location for those even from like an inch and under technically i suppose i should shift the pin location if i'm clamping like quarter inch thick stock but i don't because it still pivot in, pivots in enough yeah now working. that may be different with the bench craft because the tolerance or the screw on the bench craft, the tolerances are tighter yeah than my my wooden screws i get so about a, probably a little bit different
1: i get about a quarter inch travel on mine once the pin is okay. engaged so i mean you still have a little bit of flexibility there
0: Yeah. But, you know, I, I don't think it's going to interfere with the, you know, the capacity at all, because the screws, the thing that really affects that. And, you know, you can still clamp all the way to the floor on either side of the leg. Mm -hmm. Um, If I remember correctly, in his original email, he asked something about, you know, does it drag on the floor or something like that? And the design that, that Chris popularized, the, the guide is not actually touching the floor. It's about, I'd say a quarter of an inch off the floor, but the mortise that the guide runs through is open on the uh, bottom of the leg.
1: I see, okay.
0: But I mean, it's it's a good fit side to side, and you've got you know a little bit of movement up and down. But you know, I just keep my parallel guide waxed, and I, I mean, it runs like butter. So hmm.
1: Hmm. Hmm. yeah,
0: no different, frankly.
1: Hey, so speaking of that, what do you guys think of the new Benchcrafted like prototype video that was out there for that cross scissor jack looking thing? to replace the parallel guide I'd have to look at it a little
0: bit closer but to me that seems like it would affect the clamping capacity because now you can't run something through the middle of the leg vise
1: right yeah yeah because you've got all that metal in there now
0: yeah huh because I do that from time to time especially on longer boards um, if you've ever like tried to put dovetails on the end of like a six foot long board you know if you put it straight up and down you're gonna be dovetailing like at shoulder level. So if you put it at an angle, um, and like feed it underneath the screw, yeah, ske- so it's like skew a it a degree. I mean, I do that actually quite a bit. Right. Um, I don't. I don't know. I mean, the, again, the clamping power of these things is so strong that it probably won't make much of a difference. But uh, maybe to, I'm uh... also just bitter because
2: you know they <laughs> they came out with a glide leg vice, like after I built my bench. Like, I, I heard that was also intentional. They were talking with Chuck, and they said, "What would really mess up Shannon? Why don't you come out with this after he puts together a, a, a bench?"
1: I think you should write him yeah. and just let him know that their design is flawed.
0: <laughs> it's bad. It's wrong. <laughs> Let's see what they think
1: about that. <laughs>
0: it's Yay. cheating.
2: Nice.
1: All right. So, what else we got? Do we have any other? Let's do one more of the the emails real quick. Okay. Pick one.
2: All right. Uh, well, we only have the other one left. I took the other one out of our our, our thing here. So let me go ahead and read this one. Mm-hmm. And this is, uh, hey, guys, I'm considering purchasing a Lee Nielsen number four smoother with the 55 degree high angle frog. Is this a good idea to go with the high angle frog to use as my primary slash only smoother? Aside from having to push slightly harder and sharpen more often, is there any downside to using a 55 degree smoother for every smoothing task? I typically use cherry and walnut, but I'd like to use some curly cherry or some more figured woods in the future. Thanks, Adam Wygand. And it was very nice. He put in a little sound thing to help me pronounce that or help (laughs) us pronounce it. Probably more intended for me. Um, and well, since the sound thing was intended for me, um, let me go ahead and answer this because I just I just answered this before we went on the air. Well, I was going to say and... we just
1: got done yapping, so your, <laughs> your turn to yap a
2: little bit. Okay, well, here we go. Yap. Strap in, folks. It's going to take a little while. <laughs> um, What I ended up writing back to Adam is I really don't think that there's any problem whatsoever with just going with the 55-degree one. Uh, I think it's a, just a total... You know, other than the little extra elbow grease that you're going to end up having to use occasionally. Although for anybody that happens to have a bevel up smoother with the optional blades and have gone to something like this, to be quite honest with you, I have and I'm such a wuss when it comes to things like this. I'm very sensitive to when I have to use extra elbow grease because I hate doing it. But it's really not that bad, to be quite honest with you. And there's so many other things you can do if you are running to really some super tricky grains anyways, like maybe skewing the blade slightly or closing the mouth just a little bit more. There are just you know little techniques like that that can really kind of help out. Uh, but overall, uh, another example for me of why going with the 55 degree high angle frog might be, a a great option also for just using as your primary smoother versus the traditional 45 is the breeze smoother. Anybody remember that the eight years it took me to build that? (laughs) I do. I do. (laughs) Um, Yeah. the 90 episodes of it. Uh, But that one happens to be bedded at 50, 55 if I remember correctly, but I don't remember at the moment. And to be honest with you, Uh, I have no issues with that I've used it on pine poplar cherry maple um, well that's about the extent of my exotics Uh, but I've used it on all of those I've used it with some highly figured stuff and and just some plain old simple stuff and I have yet to have any issues with suddenly running into uh, hand planers elbow or anything so as far as I'm concerned I don't see an issue at all I, I can't imagine one down the road.
1: Anything that I think that, you're Shane? wrong.
2: <laughs> yes. Finally, let's do it. It's on. actually
0: ding ding. Actually. I, I don't know. I don't really disagree with that. I just feel like we'd always agree with one another. So no, I mean, it's funny. Cause he says, aside from having to push slightly harder and sharpen more often, those are two pretty big things for me. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like you, Matt, I don't like pushing harder and sharpening. I don't mind sharpening. I just don't enjoy sharpening. Um, You know, you, you can't beat it when it comes to figured woods, but if you're, if you're using primarily cherry and walnut, I actually do feel a significant difference because I do have my, my bevel up, um, Veritas plane. And then I have a Lee Nielsen number four with a 45 degree frog and, um, you know, several number threes all with 45 degree frogs. And I mean, it is a significantly harder thing to push. So if you're, if you're pushing planes a lot, um, it's it's not like it's gonna tire you out. It's just I think anytime you have to like muscle through something, you lose a little bit of finesse. You lose a little bit of precision. Right. You know? Um it's kinda of like having a dull chisel. You know, well, it's it's a lot harder
2: to get accurate cuts if you gotta really wail on it to make it cut through the wood. Well one thing I, I, I was thinking is if he's using this as a true smoother, oftentimes the smoother, well, typically the smoother would be the absolute last one that you would hit it with. So this is kind of light shavings. Yeah. Sure. You know, so it's not quite as much, I could see now if it was like, I'm planning on using this for in my Jack plane. And that case i would be like, Whoa, the idea is to make it easier on yourself. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, if it, if it causes me to like have a sweat or think about having the sweat or something like that, usually I go, well, you know, I'm, not a younger man anymore. So (laughs) let's say no to this and go for the easy option. Well, you know, just for the sake of causing controversy, let's do
0: it. (laughs) One could say that the higher angle frogs are kind of like training wheels. Um, you can get a tear out free finish on a figured board just by tightening up the mouth, having a really sharp iron, you know, um, if, if the, the iron is bedded well and there's no chatter and there's full support, um, and the, the mouth is ridiculously tight, and the iron, of course, is freshly sharpened. You can get a tear out free finish. Right. Sometimes you got to switch directions. Sometimes you got to go out a couple of different ways. Um, what we've done by introducing higher angle frogs is just basically eliminate the need to do that. Um, you can plane against the grain with some of those. And, and you know if you look at the like the Breeze planes or the Sauer and Steiner planes, they're bedded at a higher angle. And you know you can't get a cork through the opening in the mouth. That's right. Yeah. I just said a cork. Yes.
3: <laughs>
0: Shows. Oh, did you mean low. a cork? A cork, right. a cork bead. Yeah. A- anyway,
2: well, you know what it you blocks just
0: light. It's so tight, um, and that's really all that you need to do. And you can plane with a Sauer and Steiner or a Breeze plane against the grain on curly maple intentionally, and you won't get tear out. fact i don't know if you can get tear out with either of those planes and i mean it's 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 you know i uh, training wheels has got such a negative connotation to it but if you stack the cards in your favor enough yeah you're not going to get tear
1: out i have no problem with training wheels yeah (laughs) if it may you know if it it actually produces good results uh, and, and helps me get better at something heck yeah i'll use training wheels I, and I won't the call them training wheels. About
2: using uh, <laughs> sharpening jigs. Everybody always calls those training wheels. And I'm like, yep, <laughs> and they're not coming off my bike. I'm yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> training wheels, well, if my goal is to ride with training wheels on my bike, sure. <laughs> <laughs> my <laughs> goal is not to fall down and get a big scrape on my my knee with a really bad boo-boo. <laughs> uh, one thing, when as you were mentioning it, Shannon, uh, anybody that attended Woodworking America last year, uh, any of the Graham Blackburn classes, he actually did do this with a traditional like 45-degree plane. And he's like, just tighten That's the big. mouth. There you go. Speaking of controversy, that's exactly what I was thinking of.
0: Yeah. that was he, he turned a lot of people on their head in that conference. Oh, that, was, you that was beautiful. <laughs> yeah. That was
2: nice. Cool Anyways. But, so, yeah, this
0: is my, as I said, in order to create controversy, because here's somebody that has a 50-degree iron in their bevel-up smoothing plane. <laughs> Talk about training wheels. 62 degrees. uh a 62 degree bed angle is that's a training wheel. If I've ever heard one,
1: <laughs> nice. all right. Well, we do have a couple of voicemails if you guys want to jump into those. Uh, we've got one from Diami here, and this is kind of just a little bit of a safety story concerning his experience with the router. So let's take okay. a listen.
3: Good evening, Wood Talk Online folk. This is Diami from penultimatewoodshop.com and modernwoodworkersassociation.com. I wanted to relay my safety week story, which I'll blog about this coming week. Uh, over the summer, I was routing some um, some T V C trim from my house, from the exterior trim. And I was using a router bit, roughly one inch diameter by an inch and a half long pattern bit. And I was finished for the day. It was literally my last routing pass, even if I hadn't injured myself. Um, and I was swinging it back. I, I finished the cut, I was swinging the router kind of back and forth in my arm. And my left palm made contact with the bottom of the router. I managed to bury the bit in my palm. Thankfully, I was using a trigger-actuated router, so my finger was off the trigger, though the router was still spinning. I'm going to guess close to full speed. It was only a second that I'd taken my finger off the trigger first. So thankfully, there's no power in there, and the bitch kind of bound up in my hand ended up getting like a half dozen stitches in my palm. And I'm looking at a scar now, but other than that, no lasting damage. I was just really lucky because of the, the trigger actuation. So since then, I've resolved that whenever possible, I'm only going to buy trigger-actuated routers, and ultimately I plan to replace a number of them that I have now with trigger-run machines. And I would recommend that everyone does the same, because I think that the trigger and the fact that you immediately release it rather than having the damn thing spin and spin and spin and spin after you've hurt yourself is probably a good safety feature. I'd also love to see more American routers, so routers in the American market that have uh, stops electronic brakes but I don't seem to see that apparently they're available in Europe but anyway that's my tip I hope no one is uh, is hurting themselves with routers or other tools stay safe in the shop and we'll talk to you soon
1: that's a really good point with the brake I mean so many times I've well I can't say so many times there have been a few times that I've had a close call where I have finished a routing operation and just kind of was ready to do the next thing and I'm putting the router down and it's like whoa 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 that is still spinning (laughs) I can't (laughs) quite just sit that down right now um, so that's, that's a good point. And man, in the palm,
2: ouch. Mm, yikes! Right. Yeah. He, he is no, extremely not... lucky. Yeah. Extremely Ugh. lucky. Right in your hand oh. meat. I wonder if the, if diami like, did he, when did he say that that happened? I wonder if we're like, you know, like router accident buddies, if we had it around the same time, <laughs> that kind of a thing. Cause coming up for <laughs> safety week, uh, we, I happen to catch something on video that will probably make a few people squirm. And, uh, well, and th- that will be a, a lot of fun to see that do and you want to live yeah, that whole thing
1: Don't give too many secrets away you know I don't want you to to spoil it but give us a little um info on that like what, what people can expect because i i saw the video when it happened and
2: yeah was me like, too and it, that's it me awesome i will just say that you guys got to see it while i was still in the emergency room yeah <laughs> so, so, so that's t- right
0: t- you actually <laughs> sent it while you were
1: still bleeding
0: yeah It's yeah, funny i was like matt show um, me
2: show me the damage show me the damage <laughs> okay. all right you asked i think it. i think we asked if you were okay after we asked for her. You know, copy of the video. Right. that was probably. Oh yeah, too. are you all right? <laughs> yeah. So, w- without giving too much of this away, um, I did have an accident. Uh, with one of my routers um, and this is going to be a great example of becoming way too complacent with how we use our tools uh, because I definitely this is a great example of somebody being overly confident and overly cocky perhaps without even thinking about it until it it ends up happening and you can for anybody that has and I think I I know we've been guilty of kind of I won't say saying this but maybe implying just slightly that you know uh, because I know I've said this actually in people's face that, you know, oh, something's going to happen. <laughs> I've got a great reaction moving out of the way. Yeah, <laughs> I had an amazing reaction. You'll see it in full speed. Uh, fat man can run, let me tell you. <laughs> um, but uh, when it comes down to it, it's one of those, these things happen so quickly that I don't care who you are. You could be the flash, but you're still going to somehow get touched. It's going to reach out and it's going to touch you. And uh, I plan on running it at regular speed and then I'm going to slow the thing down so you can see what actually happens. Um, so I'm just Gonna give everybody a heads up now if you're listening to this. Uh, don't plan on eating a big lunch that day. I think a few of you might be affected by it. <laughs> but the good news is, um, for those of you who asked during the Ron Hawk, uh, uh wood plane project that I had, why do you have a bandage on your hand? Uh, this is that reason. So it's, it's not nice. so much gory as it is unsettling. That's yeah. exactly it.
1: Yes, you know, because you think about wow, this could very easily you could see yourself. Like when I was watching you, I didn't necessarily even see anything jumping Happen. out at me that was like just obviously wrong. Like, uh oh, he's doing this. So like, you know, like that goofball right. on YouTube that jump starts his table saw with his leg or something. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen that? It's like, it's not that type of a video. You look like you're doing some routine operation, but then once you really break it down, um, you can see how it's not just is, is what I'm doing unsafe, it's if something should go wrong. Can I recover or am I protected if, you know, the worst happens? And, and that's exactly. what happened. Something went wrong and, and those protections weren't in place. So it's, it's definitely unsettling to be sure. Right. And I, the, remember, the, they- I
0: remember watching it and thinking, you know, because I knew something was going to happen and I was <laughs> waiting for it, and waiting for it. And I was <laughs> totally shocked when it did, because as Mark just said, it's not like you were doing anything wrong. You know, it's not like, ooh, that's an accident waiting to happen. It was like, holy crap! Oh, my God!
2: Yeah, Yeah, it's not like I was, like, drinking a cup of coffee, having a conversation, looking away from the tool. It was, you know, totally engaged with it. And, And this is also another great example of how when you end up seeing this oftentimes when an accident occurs some well I won't say oftentimes sometimes when an accident occurs we don't realize right away that something has happened because I end up turning the video off at one point but right afterwards I didn't think anything happened to me until suddenly I looked down I'm like why is my bench red what the heck is going on here and then that's when the realities you know kind of creeped in and it was like oh my god I just had this horrible accident thank god I got on video that was my second thought
1: <laughs> you know that's so weird that, that that goes through your head i mean i've i've had that thought too when i've had a little accident and going you know it, the people eat this stuff up it's really important to to show them where you make a mistake a realistic yep. mistake in a real situation that was it's not like i you know i'm going to cut myself to teach people something it's like no i screwed up and here's what i did you know <laughs> yikes oh yeah well Well, this actually might be a good on
0: that while we're on that topic that's exactly what i'll be doing for safety week next week because i too (laughs) caught something on film now school members have already seen it but Uh you know i don't know if care if we're an adult swim or not but shit happens with hand tools too yeah (laughs) and you know you the, the crazy thing with hand tools is they're so sharp that they leave such a clean cut that you don't even feel it Yep. you know not at all And two stitches later, you're like, really? I needed stitches for that? Yeah. yeah. Well, the good thing is, you know, and the same thing was, oh, cool.
1: I got that on film. Well, (laughs) they do heal fast, you know, because it is such a clean cut. I've had a few slices. Uh, Most of the time it comes from the side of my Lee Nielsen mortise chisels that are freaking razor sharp. Um, But the the slice is so clean. It's like the next day you can't even tell there was anything there.
2: Right. Definitely. Unless it's deep enough. (laughs) Right, that's true.
1: Well, we were going to talk a little bit before we go to the other voicemails. Maybe we might even save those for another time. Um, We were going to discuss just that, like our worst, or maybe not worst, but like, I don't know, just any kind of sort of safety, close call, or injury, or any sort of blood and gut story that we had uh, in the past happen to us. I thought this would be a good occasion to talk about those things and, and really focus on what we can learn from those and Matt I, I don't know if that does that count as yours is that what would have been your story
2: that was um that's definitely the big one I I do have a kickback story which thankfully uh resulted in nothing more than a nice well it was a nice big bruise right across my gut that was the the, the most horrific thing that happened to me although I will admit anybody that's had a kickback and I think we all have had at one point uh if you can walk away from it that's a that's a really good thing because <laughs> <It's> a <win. laughs> Yeah, cuz you know, really depending on how it is, you could get dropped right down on on top of the blade or something like that. But I that was my the first time ever that I had a shop accident and it was it was a kickback and it was a piece of plywood. I I know all the things that I was doing wrong. I didn't have uh my safety devices obviously in place. I didn't have the blade guard on because well, I hated that one. It really it, it, it it's it was terrible. I'm going to put it that way. I'm going to keep it clean still. Um but it it just was it was really bad and what I ended up doing was all those things that we talk about, how it can easily just kind of pinch against the fence and you don't even realize it. And when that thing shot back, I mean, it went, it was wider than I am, which means it was a pretty good sized piece. And it nailed me. And I thought that I just got kicked by like two mules. It pretty much <laughs> knocked me back a good couple of feet to the point where I, I was stunned. I didn't know what happened at first. And I immediately started doing like that body thing where – I'm not kidding. I was, like, touching my arms, touching my hands, looking at my fingers, making sure that, you know, there wasn't blood gushing from anywhere and that I still had everything. I was so dazed, I ended up walking away from the tool, and then I had to come back in and remember to turn the tool off because I was just so out of it. Mm, you know, so that, that's my, my other big one. Hmm. Uh, Shannon, what, what about you?
0: Well, um I actually had the same situation Matt did. Um and I you know, Matt brothers in arms or guts in arms, I guess you should That's say. More like it, yes. <laughs> thank thank God that extra insulation there, but I ended up with a nasty bruise. But when it comes to I think the scariest thing and and again, like a tiny little scratch is all that resulted, but um the reason to not only have a splitter but to have the guard over your table saw is I actually had a piece fall out of my hand onto the spinning blade and shoot up into my face. Oof. And, Ooh, you know, again, man. wear your safety goggles. So according to Norm Abrams, we should always, the most important thing is to wear these safety glasses. Thank God I did. Wow. <laughs> and granted it, it, it glanced off the, now I just have safety rated eyeglasses, um, which is probably not the safest thing in the world in working with power tools because stuff can still get underneath them. But I, justifies by saying I don't work with power tools much anymore but at the time it glanced off the frame of my glasses and went straight into my forehead so I actually got kind of a nick on my forehead and I had a headache but um Oof. that scared the living daylights out of me like change your shorts scared because yeah. it it popped right at my face at high speed and you know, that was one of those turn everything off and don't go back into the shop for two weeks. <laughs> it, was, it was that place scares me. I'm not going there, you know, which is probably what eventually led me to going all hand tools. So,
1: mm, yeah, you know, yeah. There, there are like two different types of, of injuries and the ones that scare me the most are the ones where where I thought I was doing everything just fine you know and something surprised me those are the ones that make me want to not go back in the shop for a couple of weeks um but when i do something that's just dumb i don't <laughs> i just want to i'm just angry at myself and i will take the day off because if i did something stupid then obviously i need some time away um but the the injury for me was not something that i even talked about i don't think i've ever even told anyone about this because it was it was fairly recently and it was about at the peak of my just you know domestic issues with my my son and not having any sleep and trying to get this rubo built, um, and it was just a matter of not paying as much attention as I usually do. Um, I did not get it on film. Had I filmed it, I would have done something with it and I would have mentioned it. But since it was like off camera, I decided not to even bother. Um, I was trying to I don't even know what the operation was, but I was working at the bandsaw, and this is one of those injuries. It wasn't that bad, but it very quickly reminded me that these are the same machines that you see inside the butcher. That are used yes. to like cut meat and bone. Huh, yeah. Uh, and how quickly a Laguna resaw king can, can cut my finger <laughs> if it really <laughs> wants to. Um, so here's what happened I'm, I'm, I'm resawing something. I, I can't remember exactly what I was doing, but I had a little uh, cutoff piece. And there's one thing that always, in the back of my head, I always remember, I think it was from a Mark Adams DVD that he stressed or I heard that he always stresses this in his school, something associated with Mark Adams, about never trying to work the cutoff, you know, away from the blade without the blade being completely stopped. If there's something in the way, stop the saw, move the cutoff, and then proceed with your cut. So I had some dust and things in the way. I was getting ready to make the second cut, and I put my finger out, my hand out, to uh, remove what was in the way of the blade, and I I don't know whether again being really tired I just wasn't all there. I didn't judge the distance properly and Ooh. I put the tip of my my middle finger right into the front of the blade.
2: Oh my god.
1: And and like you said, Matt, you were talking about you expect your reaction time to be faster. And I did. I pulled my hand back immediately. I mean to me it felt, you know, just like a instantaneous, but that time was just enough to dig the blade about a quarter inch into the tip of my finger.
2: Nice. So Man. it was it was yeah. awesome.
1: Um, so I'm basically immediately just bleeding everywhere, and I don't know how bad the damage is at this point. So I kind of just calmly go inside the house, and this is my shop is uh, is happens to also be where my parents live, and I go inside. <laughs> mommy, and, mommy, get my can you get my SpongeBob band aids? Um, so yeah, <laughs> I was like, and my mom is the type who. She quickly goes into the whole fight or flight thing. <laughs> and she's like, Panic first, ask later. <laughs> she is very quick to just freak out when, when something hits the fan. So I was like, Mom, just be calm. I cut my finger and I might need to go to the emergency room. And she's like, it was, like it was hilarious. Um, really, not, not at the time. Uh, but in, in retrospect, it was really funny so I I put my finger under the sink I rinsed it off we took a closer look at it and it turned out it wasn't nearly as as deep as I thought it was Um, so I just went to my regular doctor and they just flushed it out cleaned it up and and put a little bandaid on there and uh, it was just one of those things that told me wow this could have been a whole lot worse Uh, fortunately it didn't go down into the bone but it did cut into my fingernail um, and it healed fairly quickly uh, and I got—I kept moving through the project within a couple of days the band-aid was off so it wasn't too bad but boy do I have a whole lot more respect for that, for that bandsaw but it's not something that made me afraid of it because it was just stupid stupidity on my part it was nothing more than that so I didn't have that like oh I, I need to keep away from the shop for two weeks it was just like no I've just got to not ever be complacent and that, that's really what all these injuries come from is complacency most times
2: And those those tend to be the absolute worst. I mean, I really sure I I have a nice little boo boo from where I had my accident. But the thing that kills me the most is just that, oh, my God, I can't believe that all the times that I've talked about not becoming complacent and not making assumptions about your tool and becoming too friendly with them. Yeah. You know, that's just it's. just feel like the biggest heel in the world that this ended up happening you know thankful that it was you know apparently my tool and I are like very nice you know terms that decided not to maul me but at the same (laughs) time though you know it really is there's there's that just that gut feeling of just I'm such an idiot you know <laughs> the other thing that just really kind of blew me away as i was thinking about it um is uh as you're going in for your spongebob band-aids i suddenly realized that as i was down in my shop i'm like i have no first aid kit whatsoever i mean i really if something happened uh which did happen i ended up like thankfully i, I ended up finding some paper towel in nearby and was able to stop my bleeding but i have like nothing else and hmm, that's a good I point. just You know, it really speaks to having at least a basic first aid tool or first aid kit somewhere nearby so you could grab something and at least, you know, throw something in a wound to stop the bleeding. Or oftentimes when I'm sharpening, somehow I manage to rip all the skin off my fingers on a... (laughs) on something <laughs> and so i got blood everywhere you're not supposed to sharpen your fingers matt yeah now you tell me
1: that's what sawdust is for just shove your hand in some sawdust and drive I yourself have... to the hospital Hey, right,
2: walk it off my <laughs> family gets really grossed out because i do the bite thing all the time and kind of suck the blood i'm like look it's gone all right let's get back to work
1: <laughs> nice yeah wow. i i actually
0: have bacon band-aids in my shop and those are awesome except that when you put them on it looks like you've got like a bloody stump on your finger and it freaks people out so <laughs>
1: bacon <laughs> band-aids what's a bacon band-aid
0: it's just a Band-Aid that's printed to look like bacon.
1: Oh, I feel like it smells like bacon or it's it's like actually a piece of bacon.
2: <laughs> it tastes like bacon. <laughs> you that's get something hungry. when the dog gets up off the dust pile and is like, I've got a visit with you. Hey, a snack.
1: <laughs> nice. very cool. I have
0: plenty of Band-Aids in my shop. I'm like going for some sort of Roy Underhill record every time I sharpen or pick up a chisel I tend to nick myself with it
1: nice <laughs> it's ridiculous
0: My uh, it's ridiculous you
1: guys know have, have you ever heard of us talk about Tree Frog he hasn't been in the chat room in a long time but he used to be a TWW regular yeah, yeah. well he sent me as a gift a collection of curse word band-aids that oh, say, nice. say all sorts of foul things on them which are, are great after you injure yourself. It's very appropriate.
0: You save those for Mateo. <laughs> You'll yes. love
1: them. Um, yeah. All right. Well, you know what? I think that we're going we're gonna to pinch it off here. We'll save those other two voicemails for the next episode. And I'll tell you what, we were a little bit late getting to it, but next week is Safety Week and we'll have another show two weeks from now. So if you have some safety stories definitely leave us a voicemail and uh we'll, we'll play them on the show preferably if you can give us the the you know the lowdown on what you did to fix this or prevent it from happening in the future because i mean telling these gory stories is all fun and all that but it's nice if we can actually learn from these things too exactly.
2: uh, right No, nope, yes. no nope. nope. so, pictures please
1: uh, i don't know i kind of <laughs> like the pictures man
2: i, I hate we'll have I, a special <laughs> album just for those i hate myself
1: for looking at them afterwards but i can't not look at them
2: you
0: got to love those forum posts that start in all caps. Warning, blood to follow. <laughs> exactly. You know, like, and all you do is immediately scroll down.
1: Let me see. Let me see. Uh, totally. <laughs> all right, cool. So we're looking forward to that. We'll play them on the show if you want to give us a call. And Matt, if you can tell them how they can get in touch with us and leave us those gory voicemails, that would
2: be great. That's right. If you want to leave us a voicemail, you can call 623-242-5180. If you happen to be on Skype, you can Skype us at WoodTalkOnline and leave your voicemail over there. Of course, don't forget that you could always record something, say on your smartphone or maybe on your computer or whatever recording thing that you have that can be kind of digitally and you can upload it to us. You can send that to WoodTalkOnline at gmail.com. And of course, uh, head over to WoodTalkOnline.com. I don't know if you leave anything over there like that, but just do it anyways, because uh, Shannon, will be there
1: nice very cool all right well thanks everybody in the chat room uh those who are enduring the new chat room i realize it's a a little bit different and we're gonna have to get used to it but uh suck it up Um, and Wood Whisperer DOS, <laughs> something like that. I think it's retro and cool. Hey, IRC is where it's at, man, and it's better than paying three hundred and sixty bucks for crappy Java that everybody wants to complain about too. So, Amen. Testify. Uh, all right, well, stay safe. I hope you guys enjoy Safety Week next week, and uh, you too, stay safe. Talking to you guys that I'm talking on the line here too. Well, you, will you stay see? safe,
2: too, because otherwise we wouldn't have the uh, soundtracks to be able to do this. We'd be like, hey, when you take them off life support, can you t- have ask them where they're at so we can do the show? <laughs> I don't, I don't wow. know what you're talking about, Matt.
1: Uh, yeah, all right. Well, great show, guys, and thanks, Chat room for hanging out with us. We will catch you in a couple of weeks. See you. bye
3: this and other shows visit frogpants.com audio program so good it's like you're there
1: even when we're on a
0: budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns acast powers the world's best podcasts here's the show that we recommend
1: Hi, I'm Ando and I'm Fer and we host Niña Bien Podcasts